Episode 10, bonus edition, interview with an elite educator with an empowering message. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educator's podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen, always a lesson, here to empower you to reach your potential. And in fact, I call you elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to podcasts just like this to help hone their craft. Today is a special day because we have a guest appearance. I wanna help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator, Dave Hartzell. So let me tell you a little bit more about Dave. Dave graduated from the University of Delaware in 2006. He received his bachelor's in elementary education going from pre-K to eighth grade. He has taught in high poverty areas of both Richmond and Charlotte. And his biggest successes in education so far are starting a grassroots campaign called the 40 Book Project, piloting one of only 50 global imagination chapters, and of course, working with Teach Charlotte as a seminar instructor. And you will hear us chat about that because that is how we know each other. He is also currently building a wonder lab at Shamrock Gardens Elementary School. And stay tuned, you'll hear about that as well in this interview. He's also conducting research with Charlotte Teachers Institute on exercise and the brain. I will leave information on how to connect with Dave through social media in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. All right, elite educators, are you ready to hear the value that Dave is about to bring to the mic today? I know I am, so let's just dive right in. All right, Dave, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. My pleasure. So elite educators around the world are eager to hear from you today. So I'm going to just get right to it. Go ahead and explain to everyone how our paths crossed. Oh, sure. Uh, so we have been now, uh, it's three summers since we started working together uh, with Teach Charlotte. Um, and so I met Gretchen three years ago. She was um, coaching new teachers heading into the classroom. Um, and I was... Uh, a seminar instructor leading them um, in, in some skill building sessions. So we were able to do a lot of work together as, as coach and instructor, and it's been great. Yeah, I agree. And just to shout out Dave to everyone listening, he's got to be the funniest presenter that I have ever worked with. He really engages you and makes you want to be better and relates everything to life. So if you have a chance to go to anything that he happens to be leading, look him up and attend. Now I really need to make sure I say good stuff here. <laughs> no pressure. Shoot. <laughs> uh, go ahead and tell us your current position in the educational field. Uh, sure. So right now I have a pretty unique position where I am 
creating and running CMS's um, first ever Wonder Lab, uh, kind of capitalizing on the the makerspace movements and and just really trying to build on our students' passions and and interests. Um, so we're building a lab where they can uh, wonder about things and and learn about things that they're interested in and then become passionate. That's pretty awesome. Can you remind us what CMS stands for? Oh yeah, sorry, I'm stuck in this bubble of uh, <laughs> Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. It's the the largest uh, school district in North Carolina. Yeah. So how did you get interested in this Wonder Lab? Well, uh, it kind of goes back to, I'm sure a, a lot of people are now familiar with Kane's Arcade, a short video about a, a young man who, who basically built an entire uh, arcade out of cardboard. Um, and I saw that video and it, it's, it, it is and always will be one of the most inspiring videos I've ever seen. Um, so I, I created a month-long um, cardboard challenge unit for my students. Um, and from that, I just, I, I saw some just absolutely amazing things. And I got in contact with the organization that, um, that sponsors or, or runs Kane's Arcade, the Imagination Foundation. Um, and from there, I became a pilot, uh, pilot leader for their, um, imagination chapters. And then from there, um, I think my school started to see the benefits of imagination and creativity in the classroom. So we uh, created a Wonder Lab. That's awesome. Well, why don't we give a shout out to your school? Where are you at? I'm at Shamrock Gardens uh, over here in, in East Charlotte. Okay, cool. And what grade are you currently working with? Uh, I'm working um, most closely with third through fifth, but um, I'll get involved with some co-teaching and, and uh, coaching and things like that with K-2 as well. So what do you think is the best lesson you've learned so far in your role that you're currently in? Oh, well, it, since it is a new role that I've kind of just started planning this summer, um, it's been a lot of kind of research uh, from my end. Um, you know, not a lot of experiences as far as like lessons go um, with students, but uh, it, reading um, Ken Robinson's new book, Creative Schools, uh, uh, I'll misquote it, but it's something like um, the revolution starts wherever you are. So if you're uh, if you're a classroom teacher, the revolution starts in your classroom for your students. If you're a principal, um, you lead the revolution for your for your teachers. And so I kind of want to um, lead the revolution for for change in education with starting with where I'm at right now, and that's in the Wonder Lab. So what title do you give yourself? Mm, that's a dangerous <laughs> question, Gretchen. Uh, I, my technical title is Reach Teacher um, through a national program called Public Impact uh, Success by Design. Um, but the the title that we have in our school is just, I don't know. I'm, we haven't really thought about that. Great question. But I mean, uh, what you're Wonder doing. Lab Man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what you're asking your students to do, think outside the box, is kind of what your principal is allowing you to do, right? You're kind of flying the plane and building it at the same time almost. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty fun. I, I, I just think like I never really understood why our schools focused on like isolating core subjects, you know, like reading and then reading ends and then you go to math and then math ends. Um I always envisioned a education where 
we teach skills that students need, uh, you know, to make the world a better place. Innovation, creativity, critical thinking, kindness. Um, and so I kind of try to model my lessons after those you know, those are my core subjects that I, that I want to instill in my students. Um, right. And I think if if I'm able to kind of build those up, the, you know, the math and the reading will come. Whoa, sorry, <laughs> sensor lights. Um, <laughs> that happens all the time. Uh, the math and the reading uh, that'll come. You know, when they're most interested in it and and when they find their passion in those subjects. So, do you think this is most closely aligned to STEM or STEAM approaches? Yeah, I think people say that. Um, um, yeah, I think I would agree as far as subjects in like the push for public education. But um, I think it's it's what the real 21st century skills are that, that we talk about. But, you know, everyone say, like uses that buzzword, but nobody. I don't know. I, I guess it's I guess it's most closely related to steam. OK. And so where does the Common Core fit into your mission? Uh, I think it, I think it fits really naturally here. And I think, um, with this wonder lab, you won't have, uh, as much of standards being seen as the ceiling. I think in the wonder lab, the standards are seen as the floor. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a lot more, uh, I guess students, students almost designing their projects, um, and less, less like input for me and a lot more output from them, a lot more creation, um, and building and tinkering. And, uh, you know, those, the common core skills, again, like I said, like, I think it needs to be more, more of a floor. Um, so once the students learn the, the really difficult things through trial and error, um, those core like key concepts that they really naturally fit into those projects. And it's a lot easier when they've uh, the students have built kind of that background knowledge through the experience of the projects, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So I hadn't planned on asking you this, but based on your experience as a teacher, you kind of have a style and a flow. But this mission really changes all that. You really had to be a facilitator instead of the teacher. So explain to us kind of how your role has shifted now that you're doing this Wonder Lab. Yeah, so... Uh, giving up, you know, like, uh, to me, teaching was never really about power or conformity for my students. Um, I think when, when I learned to give, like give up all the power and let them kind of ask the questions and take control of their learning and figure out what the next steps are. Um, it really, it really opened up just a whole world of learning for my students and, and for me. Um, so, I know that it can sound really abstract and um, it can make it tough to kind of dive into whatever you want to call it, project-based learning or authentic orga organic learning. So um, I created a creativity cycle that we use um, and the cycle, uh, it basically, it's, it's, I, I'll try to explain it without visual, but it's um, des describe, explore, create, I'm sorry, describe, explore, plan through through any project that we do. Um, and so it made it easier with this cycle to say I go up to a student and we, you know, students working on a stop animation movie. Um, and I can ask, like, where, where are you in the creativity cycle right now? And they're, you know, they mentioned that they're creating. Um, and so, you know, I, I talk to them and they show me what they're creating. And I notice that they might be missing a piece or 
maybe I, you know, I, I have something that I can help them with and I can say, Hey, you know, I noticed in your, in your create section that you might've missed this piece in the plan section. Why don't we go back and, and do this? Um, and so it really helps me kind of individualize my lessons with, to where I can have a student who's creating and I can have another student who's just begun a project. Right. Um, and then the common core, you know, like it really ties in where I can assess, I can assess different pieces for each part of that cycle. Um, and again, like just going back to that students finding their individualization and following their passion and interest. So that's interesting because if each child's kind of creating their own thing, it's not like you have a standardized rubric to grade them. So how right. are you assessing? Yeah, um, you know, I, I do try to build projects that we can work on in common. Uh, for example, in October, we've got, we, we always join in, like I mentioned earlier, the cardboard challenge. Um, so I do have rubrics for the, for the actual creation section. And then I'll, I'll also assess some of their reflection pieces, whether it's, okay. um, through like a one-on-one -on -one conversation that I have with them, um, or, you know, like a quick written reflection or a journal that they're keeping. Um, so I do always want them to have those kind of like the running record so that, they're able to talk through their experiences and then um, go back to their experiences on the next project. Uh, so I will have like an overall rubric and I'll, I'll generally base it on uh, Tony Wagner has seven essential skills okay. the, that tie in really carefully with uh, really, really closely with Common Core. Um, so I usually have a rubric based on those skills that I can fill in for whatever project the students are working on. So interesting. I could talk about this forever, but I want to make sure we stay focused. So let's change sure. gears just a little bit. Um, you know, focus is not, you know, I'm all over the place. Focus <laughs> is not my strong suit. You help me out with that. <laughs> but that's what makes you perfect for the yeah. role you're in is there's no boundaries. Love it. Yeah, um, that's true. That could be a problem. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us what makes an educator great. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot about this because I think about how we're interviewing teachers and um, how we're, um, and it's surrounded by a reflection piece that we really have, believe it or not. I don't know if that's a surprise. Um, I think I want, let's say I, I have my own school. I want a teacher to come in who is passionate, um, who is who is interested in, in, in the work that they're going to be doing and who is there for the kids and, and has the kids' best interests in mind. Um, I think if you have those three things, you the, the content of teaching can be taught, um, like you've seen through, through our work with Teach Charlotte. You can right. teach teachers the skills mm -hmm. that they need, you know, to facilitate a lesson. But, you know, once that, that, that passion and yep. that individuality and the interest, like you got to have that to be a great teacher. I agree. I think that's a good answer. And and that's sometimes hard to find, right? Yeah. So how do you, you know? Want me to get this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how do you know if someone has it or they don't? I mean, you work with tons of teachers, so probably within 5 seconds you know. I mean, what is it about yeah. them? You can you can tell Gretchen. Um you can tell by the way they they talk about their students, the way they talk about their job. Um what what projects they're involved in? Uh, I don't know. There's right now. There's such a negative negative outlook in so many so many directions in education. I think it's really easy to see the people who are in it 
uh, for the right reasons and the people who aren't. So. Right. So this show is dedicated to teachers. Of- so we've got new teachers, teachers in transition or distress, and then we've got teacher leaders. So if you could give any one of these type of teachers a piece of advice, what would it be and why? Uh, I think I'm going to go with right now. It seems the trend is the teacher in distress, whether they're yeah. new or, or they've right. been around for a long time. Um, and I definitely, I, I put myself in that category and, um, you know, I feel like right now in public education, the change, you know, although you have the change in your classroom, um, I think it's extremely important for teachers to find their passion project, just like I want my students to find their passion project. Um, start a start a club or start a uh, campaign or, you know, like that idea that you have that just isn't fitting into our current model of education that you know would be great for the students, like give it a shot, start it up on impact on education outside of the classroom. Because, you know, the sad thing is right now, the impact of the teacher can only be so much with, with compensation, what it is and with, you know, curriculum scripted out and with lights going off (laughs) when you're talking um, with the resources we have. So make, make your impact, you know, make your impact for your kids, but, but also follow your passion and and something outside of the classroom. So how did you then share this idea with your principal and get them on board? Because it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, what, uh, turn your great ideas into action. But I think some people are nervous of the no that someone might give them. Well, man, if I, if I told my students that, like, there would be problems. We have to, I've had a lot of no's, you know, uh, I, I hear no a lot. Um, and that's not ever something that's going to stop me again. Like I know, you know, I'm going to do the research and I'm going to try to find out what I think would be best for our students. And, um, you know, with kind of like with a carefully crafted plan and with, with the facts behind it, you know, you're not going to find too many people saying no, um, anything can be aligned with common core. So, you know, find the statistics that support what you're trying to say and, um, and, and go for it. And if you get a no, ask someone else, change the question. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So do your research and don't be afraid of the no. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your current mentor? Uh, that's, that's a funny question. Um, can I say you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go. So I think my mentor with current projects right now would be, uh, a man that you all need to, to, to know. And his name is Ricky Singh. Um, and he is, uh, right now a director at a school that's, that's going to have national attention if it doesn't already, uh, opening up called Charlotte lab school. Um, and their idea aligns with my mindset basically that the, the city is the student's classroom, um, put them out in the community and, and they'll, you know, they'll make the community a better place and, and be contributing citizens. So Ricky and I work together on a lot of projects and, um, uh, I, I definitely, um, would, would think of him as my mentor at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. So we worked all together this summer. Ricky was a coach with me. And he definitely thinks outside the box like you do. And he is relentless on getting his idea across. And like you said, change the question. It's all about the lens. Maybe that approach wasn't right. So I can see exactly how your minds mesh together. And wow, the two of you together are going to be unstoppable. 
I hope so. We're we're in the middle of a pitch right now, and I want to hear what you think about this. Um, I've, you know, my wife, I won't say that I do, but my wife watches a lot of reality TV. <laughs> I do um, too. <laughs> and so I was always kind of inspired by those like restaurant takeover, uh, you know, like the flipped houses. And um, we're in the middle of pitching uh, kind of like that, that classroom takeover where we come in and um, kind of like a week long process where we shadow a teacher for a day. Um, and then we work with them and their students to um, kind of transform what's going on in their classroom, provide them with resources they need, um, and and then you know ho- hopefully be able to serve as their mentors in in the months and years that pass to see how it's working and, and what we can do to help out you know r- remotely. So um, wh- what do you think? What suggestions do you have for us? Well, I put you on the spot. Well, Ricky told me about this, and I love it. I think it's so interesting, certainly a niche that hasn't gotten any attention, if any, and I think it's another way to just help teachers become better so that students can excel. And it's a unique approach, but you're right, reality sells, and this is a great way to either get funding or just expose great teaching techniques and tips. So I'm 100% on board, so feel free to ring me in whenever. (laughs) Awesome. We definitely need more of a culture of sharing and collaboration in education. That always kind of blew my mind. Uh, our students are stuck in a classroom all year long with one teacher and it, um, you know, especially in elementary school, it doesn't seem, no matter how great the teacher is, it doesn't seem very beneficial. So any way we can share ideas in education, um, you know, it'll end up, it'll end up helping us out. Yeah. And weren't you telling me at one point about Skype pen pals or some program like that? Yeah, Skype in the classroom, it, yeah. you know, is is definitely very popular with teachers now. Um, and I I uh, I'd love to see something like, man, if I had a classroom where we had like 180 days of Skype, and, and each day we spent 15 minutes talking to a different classroom or um, learning about a new project, talking to a professional, um, what, what better way for students to learn than just to to talk to people and experience then and get their perspective. Yeah, because I've worked about eight years in Title I schools, and they just really mm-hmm. lack experience of life. And so yep. this yep. is bridging that gap. And like you were saying, just getting out into the community, you know, that's your and Ricky's idea of the school. And I just think that's fantastic. So with all these projects that you're working on, what is the impact on our field? I know we talked a little bit about students, how it's great for them. But what about from the teacher perspective? Uh, you, you know, I'm not sure if I found my, my big impact yet. Um, but I feel like I'm getting pretty close. Um, just, just again, to be able to go back to like, by, uh, transformation of our school to get out of their education. And to me, I don't know how you argue against creativity, uh, critical thinking, collaboration, um, I, I don't know because everything else can fit in and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of a long conversation, but you know, I, I went through school and I didn't find my passion right away. And I know if I had taken, uh, sports science instead of pre-calc, um, you know, I still would have gotten that, that's the science math background, but right. I would have been following a dream of mine. And, um, you know, luckily I ended up, uh, in a profession that I love, but for, for a lot of people, they don't. And uh, I think the best way to do that is to re kind of rethink how we, how we plan for our core subjects. 
And then, you know, where's the professional development going to come from if we're kind of charting our own course? I mean, like we were talking about before, you're kind of figuring this out as you go. So, you know, we want teachers to be prepared, but then we also want them to be innovative, which means they're kind of the first ones to do things. So where's the happy medium there? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think the happy medium comes with, uh, how, how you assess your students. Um, and if we can, if we can put together some assessments for, um, you know, maybe not high stakes, but assessments that show students again, like right now we don't really have those assessments for showing creativity. Um, but if I, you know, I I could tell you with a hundred percent, uh, you know, I, I'm 100% sure that my students' creativity, they grow dramatically from September to June. Mm. And we just need to figure out ways to prove that. And then uh, I think we're starting to see a trickle-down effect from from our, our industries who are who are looking to hire people coming, you know, out of out of school where they're they're looking for those skills specifically. Um, they're looking for communication skills. They're looking for creativity skills. Um, and, and, you know, you, perfect example, George Washington University just eliminated looking at SAT scores. Yeah, I heard. Um, because that's not, what is it? You know, what, what, what is it besides one test on one day? Um, it, it, it absolutely does not have correlation to success later on in life. And, um, I don't know. I, I just think I think we need to start pushing our resources in those directions. And, and it is. We have to build the boat uh, yeah. while we sail. And that's OK. Yeah. And I think we can you, always get out and swim. The water's warm. Yeah. <laughs> I think what you're mentioning is what we talk about at Teach Charlotte is the get it, do it gap. Like here you have such yep. really strong intellectual people on paper, at least. And then you put them in the field and they don't contribute. They don't create because they don't yeah. have that skill. And so it's really wanting everyone to, <laughs> I'm laughing. Cause... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not prepared and it keeps happening. I'm so focused on this that I don't even notice. That's okay. I'm interviewing Dave and he's sitting at a school, I assume, and to save energy, they keep shutting off the lights. So he has to wave his body around <laughs> to make uh-huh. the lights come back on. But yeah, so I think the, the key here is in any type of interview, it's like, what can you bring to us? What value are you adding? And forget how smart you are. I want to know, can you think in the moment? Can you think outside the box? You know, and all that is done by action. And so you're right. Paper, pencil tests just really don't demonstrate 21st century skills. And it, and, and it goes to like, it also goes back, um, to just, just how like our world has changed. Uh, You know, uh, I, I feel like, it's not, it's not what you learn. It's how you use that. Um, and to go along with that, like, why are we necessarily, for example, teaching times tables, spending hours in the classroom, teaching times tables when students have a phone with a calculator on it? Um, of course, you know, we need number sense. We need our students to understand the numbers and be able to use math in a real world sense. But I feel like if you give them that real world sense first, the multiplication tables are going to make sense to them and then everything kind of takes care of itself. So um, we, we need to stop giving them the facts and uh, I don't know, start helping them with, with ha- where they can go from there. Like this is the internet age um, and I think the the young man who, who um, designed it and created Reddit 
basically said, like, why am I why am I being asked to learn how to spell words when I have spell check everywhere I go? Yeah. Um, how you know, how is that helping me move forward and, and become an innovator? And so I always I always was kind of taken back by you, you should check out some of the interviews he's done, um, especially when he was when he was younger and came up with the idea for Reddit, uh, just talking about how different education is now. Um it just we we really need to start putting an emphasis on it. Um, and then one more story to kind of back up what you were saying. We have we have these people come in to teach Charlotte in the summer, and like you said, so bright, so much passion. Um, and then what do they do in the classroom? Same thing we've always seen from every other teacher that that didn't work for those students. Um, and I think of I think of a guy who came through this year who uh, just his, his personality was you know so infectious and. Um, he came from Baltimore and, um, he had a background, uh, radio and DJ. And I just hope, uh, that that comes through in his classroom because right. his students are going to love that aspect of, of what he can bring to the table as far as, um, you know, radio and DJ, and they're going to learn so many literacy skills and so many communication skills through that passion that he has. So that's, that's where we now have to turn for our teachers to, to start bringing their passions to the classroom. Yeah, I agree. Our structure isn't really built for that. So I hope that schools start adjusting as they see the benefit of what teachers actually have to bring to the table. Um, but as yeah. you know, we're constantly learning and growing and staying current on what's happening in our field is super important. So how do you keep current on what's happening? It's it's overwhelming. Um, and I try like lately, I, lately, you know, this is a teacher problem. I've been waking up at two in the morning and not falling back to sleep. Uh, oh, God. So I think I think you do have to find that balance of like social media is great. You know, like like I mentioned, Reddit. Twitter has been so great for education. Give people to kind of get ideas from. Uh, YouTube has just there are just so many things you can find. Um, it's that challenge of not overwhelming yourself and really finding that one that one thing for the year that you can really roll with. Um, because you know if there's something that you can give your students, it's consistency. Mm. So you know instead of instead of going on. Uh, going on Pinterest and finding 20 ideas to do, like find that one idea and let build a base with it and let other ideas grow from it. Um, just, just to give you an example, uh, I started my students on a four minute journal, um, which is an idea from Linda Berry. She does some doodling in neuroscience at Stanford. Um, and we started with a four minute journal that was literally like two columns, two minutes each, and that's it. Um, and, and from that we built, you know, like the next time we had it, it was two minutes. Um, they wanted to add two minutes more and they wanted to add another rule. And then from there it was like, how can we get other people involved? And then from there it was, how can we build this into our next project? And it just became, it became something that was so much bigger than that. So find that one thing that you want to use and, uh, help it grow. Um, don't, don't try to do too much. So tell us about one of your best all-star teacher moments. I'm still waiting for it. Oh, I come had on. Uh, I don't know, Gretchen. That's a tough one. Uh, I've been thinking about it. Um, I think it's easy to have them in the classroom, but a year later, two years later, yeah. uh, 
I so I just had this is my ninth year, so I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm real old, and my my fifth <laughs> graders are starting to graduate from high school. Um, and one of my on my first year, um, I had a student who was like, I, I hate it, but it's that teachers always like they warn you about them. You know, don't be that teacher. Don't don't warn anybody about a student. Um, yeah. That means you didn't do your job, by the way. Uh, but you, you know, know, they, they warned me about him, um, and he was hands down my favorite student. Um, and I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but it's just something about him. Uh, he came from such an awful, uh, home and, um, really there was just, just a lot of struggle and he struggled in my class. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if it was such a successful fifth grade year for him, but I, I got a phone call from him graduating from high school and it was, oh. I mean, it, it, it was, it was such an amazing thing that I hadn't talked to him in, you know, five years. Um, so I, that, that was, for me, that was my all-star moment. That was worth waiting for, waiting and allowing you to think that through. You don't know the effect you're going to have on these kids. Like right. sometimes you see it in the moment, you see them growing, you see that aha, and that's great. But seeing them mature and grow and come back is just so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, this young man, he, like I, like I've been kind of preaching here, he, he wasn't, great at math he wasn't great at reading um but he could he was a he was a leader uh he could he could communicate he he epitomized you know that so i'm glad he made it through and i know the sad thing is there are there are lots and lots of students who are not so i hope hopefully that inspires people to start uh, making that change as soon as possible yeah thank you for sharing well, I want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. How, cool. how do you reignite your passion and potential as an educator? Uh, collaboration. Um, talking, to, talking to new teachers coming in. Um, media, see what you come up with to really, um, you know, make it have teachers who just want to try something new. Um, and that, that always... With, with all the things that we can easily kind of get caught up on in public education, um, <clears throat> being able to, to connect with those teachers who are also looking for that spark or have that idea has just, you know, keeps me going. Well, on behalf of elite educators everywhere, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem, Gretchen. Thank you so much. Um, I'm happy to join in anytime. Hopefully I didn't say anything controversial. <laughs> Well, tell us where we can connect with you. All right. Uh, I'm, all, I'm all over the place. Um, you want me to know where I'm going to be Friday night? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> no. um, so I, I have uh, seen me at the 40, at 40 Book Project for, for that project. I am at Mr. Hartzell One, um, and I am at SGE Wonder Lab, Shamrock Gardens Elementary Wonder Lab. Awesome. Well, you heard it, guys. Start connecting with Dave today. Thanks again, and we will chat soon. All right, Gretchen. Have a good one. See you guys. Bye. Wow. That was one awesome interview with Dave Hartzell. I am so glad you guys got to hear his story and everything that he is doing to empower others, especially his students. I am blessed to call him a colleague and a friend, and I do hope you guys check out the show notes and get to see all of the resources he is sharing with you. 
But Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Dave Hartzell. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. Hi, Elite Educators. If you like what you hear, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. Also, stay connected with Always a Lesson through social media. Like us on Facebook at Always a Lesson. And follow me personally on Twitter at G Schultek. That's G-S-C-H-U-L-T-E-K. I'm looking forward to connecting with you. Elite educators, are you in need of feeling empowered by someone who is just like you, who does just what you do, and well, just gets it? Then hop on over to alwaysalesson.com to learn more on the blog for tips and tricks of remaining passionate about your current work. Also, check out our social media links for more personal connection to other elite educators just like you. And if you're a newbie educator, grab a copy of my book, Elementary Education 101, What They Didn't Teach You in College, to ensure you beat the learning curve and end your first year ahead of the game. Alwaysalesson.com provides something for everyone. So elite educators, stop by today.